All right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start with prayer, and uh, then we'll do some announcements, and we're going to do a, a Bible presentation this morning for the uh, children's ministry kiddos moving into youth group, kind of graduating, and then we'll have some time of worship, and so let's go ahead and start with prayer. Almighty God, we are just so honored and privileged to be able to gather together today in your name. We thank you for this opportunity to come together as a church. We thank you for the time of fellowship and conversation. We thank you for... Uh, just what we can anticipate from you this morning, uh, how you will just teach our hearts and our minds. And Lord, we just pray that this morning would ultimately be about you, um, about fellowship in your name, about the word, about worshiping you, um, just about uh, really drawing closer to you. So we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. We invite your spirit to just invade this place, and we just pray for your protection and blessings on our time. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, just a couple of quick announcements. Lots starting to happen again in the church as we get into fall and we start kind of cautiously moving out a bit and starting up some events. So let me talk about some of those. We've got the um, young adults group starting today. Young adults is like high school graduates up through 27, 28. You know, it, it, it's pretty loose there. But basically young adults, college, career, you know, that whole group. They are starting up this afternoon. They are going to be getting together for a social time right up the street, about a half a mile up Ford Street. On the left is a little park called Norman D. Memorial Park. And they're going to be uh, doing lunch. They're getting sandwiches from Jimmy John's, and uh, there's plenty there. Uh, they're going to be playing spike ball, maybe a little volleyball, just hanging out, getting to know people. So this is a great opportunity for you high school grads, you college students, you young adults to connect and start engaging. And then next week they're going to start a study before church, 845 to 945, um, on the book called Forgotten God, which is about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. It's written by Francis Chan, and it's a really good book. So great opportunity. There's already at least 15 or 20 people signed up for that. So be sure you're uh, connecting to that young adults group if you're interested and of that age. The women's Bible study is starting back up next Saturday. So Saturday the 18th uh, from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock, and it's meeting every other week, and they're going to be doing a study on the book of James. And as far as I know, that is going to be here at the church on Saturday morning. Is that correct, Andrea? <clears throat> okay. So it'll be next door in the coffee shop from 9 to 11 starting next week on the 18th. Talk to Andrea Flack or Jane Banzoff if you are interested in joining that study. Um, we also have a new members class. We do have a lot of new faces in the crowd, which is awesome. So we want to provide the opportunity for you to learn more about the church. Now, coming to the new members class does not mean that you are committing to be a new member, but it's, an, that it's basically the starting point for that process. So you can come to the new members class. You can check us out. You can ask questions about our background, our beliefs, just kind of who we are as a community, what we, you know, how we think. And it's just a really good opportunity to get to know some of the leadership, and really explore that option of becoming a member and knowing what that looks like. So that will be on September 26th, right after the service. So keep that in mind. Let us know. Um, let Tom or me or one of the leadership know if you are interested in attending that. But you can also just show up. So the 26th, right after the service. And then we're also wanting to do a baptism. It has been a long time, probably because of COVID. I mean, I guess that's a big part of it. Um, we're ready to do another baptism. We've got a few people interested. So if you are interested in getting baptized, please let me know or let Kevin know. Again, one of the leadership team, let us know if you are interested in getting baptized. 
And depending on when we do it, we'll either do it down in Clear Creek or we'll do it up front here in our portable baptismal. Kind of depends on the weather and such. So let us know if you are interested in a baptism as well. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Tom now. Tom's going to come on up and we are going to do the Bible presentation for those um, kiddos in children's ministry that are graduating to youth. So. Thanks, Sean. Well, hello, Hillside. My name's Tom Wheaton, and my wife, Angela, and I are part of the leadership for the children's ministry, um, which might feel almost non-existent these last 18 months because we've provided online opportunities for families to continue um, all of the lessons for the last 18 months, but Hillside has really opened up its doors again a little bit with the sanctuary here, if you remember, about a year ago, and then the youth group started up. Uh, many, many months ago, and today we're going to try to have a soft opening for our children's ministry activities. So uh, before we do the Bible presentation, we're going to have a nursery opened, and that's going to be available. So we'll have coverage down there if anybody wants to take their kiddos down to the nursery. And for the elementary school age children, we're going to have an activity outside, and they'll be meeting in the foyer after, these, uh, after this presentation. So there's some opportunities, or families are welcome to have uh, worship together here as a family. Uh, you have those options. So we're going to try to open up those doors and we're excited because probably do things week by week the rest of September, but provide a, a, an actual deep curriculum again in October. So we're excited about that. Uh, but first off, um, I, I want to introduce my, uh, my lovely assistant here, uh, Jenna McCall. She's going to help me present the Bibles. We have some Bibles and notes for all of the kiddos who are now in sixth grade. And this is kind of a big tradition that we've done at Hillside for a number of years, just to let these, these children know that they're on their way to the adulthood. Um, they've kind of graduated from the fun stuff we did downstairs, and now they get to be a part of really the tweens and teens up in the youth group. And that's a, a next level of learning and study and how great we thought it would be appropriate to uh, brand their names uh, on the outside cover of their Bibles. So this isn't some norm, normal textbook to get in your, your classroom or to disregard. This is something they would hope that they would save or hold on for life and uh, obviously have those promptings to, to open it up and learn more uh, as they're in the youth group and at home and et cetera. So we're really excited about presenting these to these wonderful children. And we also have Braden and Allie with us, the leaders of the youth group, so we get to kind of pass the baton from the children to the youth group this morning. So let's start us off. And we're going to start with our ladies first. And we'll have Miss Luna Klingman come up. And you want to, you know, we'll stay, we'll have a prayer afterwards. Okay, thanks. And also Miss Sophia Veroni. So we have Shay Heishen. Is Miss Shay here? There she is. Mr. Nathan Watkins. Uh, Mr. Joe McMullen. And Mr. Eli Antoon. So 
So please join me in prayer as a congregation here. Heavenly Father, we thank you so, mo so much for moments like this. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to be together and, and dwell in your worship place. Um, thank you for these young, these young minds and these lives. And just as in Luke 2.52, as Jesus um, gained favor with both man and God, we, we ask that uh, for these children as well as they grow into adulthood and uh, to prompt them to open up and let these words of the Bible lift up um, and into their hearts and something that they will be part of their, their worldview and uh, just their fellowship with everything that goes on here at Hillside and their communities and their families. As in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I think we're going to have some worship time now. Thank you, everybody. the Lord together. Um, I know it's been a, a, a crazy week for a lot of us, and uh, um, I've gotten a few texts from some of you and, and talked to a few of you, and um, there's just a lot going on. Um, so, I, you know, I... I think it is just heavy on our hearts to just really uh, to choose Jesus this morning, and uh, um, I know that we go to a lot of people for help, and and we have a lot of things that help us, and and, and that's great. But but Jesus is our peace, and Jesus is our answer, and I know we know this, um, but when we come together and we make that choice together to, to turn to Jesus. Um, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a choice that we make, and it's a powerful choice. And um, So let's uh, just take a second and, uh, and maybe close your eyes and, and, and just uh, talk to Jesus and, and say, Jesus, I choose you this morning, uh, whatever that looks like. I'm choosing you.
What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ our King What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus
Jesus, would you have your way in this place? It's in your beautiful name we ask this, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Quickly, we do have nursery and children's ministry open. Tom forgot to mention that at the tail end. If you're interested of what we're talking about, he and Angela are in the foyer. They'll give you the details of what we have available and where the kids are going. So if you have any questions about that, just talk to Tom in the foyer. So I'm not Dan. I'm not. I know. So Dan was supposed to be preaching today. This is the second time. And we have had to push his message off. So I'm guessing this message is going to be pretty stinking good. So uh, whatever it is, the enemy just keeps creating situations in his world. Um, so we're going to wait another couple of weeks before we hear from Dan. But I'm excited to be here today. Part of what I want to do is open up a few things that are important to me. Verses that help me kind of establish who I am. I'm hoping all of us throughout our journeys have got what we might call life verses. Verses that we just keep gravitating back to. Verses that help hopefully like put a little bit of an understanding on who you are and why you do what you do. For me, we're going to look at three. We're going to look at Romans, Psalms, and Matthew. And I, I got others, but these are the three I continue to kind of rotate back to. And part of this is going to help us to understand really what God's economy is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the ongoing privilege to just serve you. Thank you for this congregation, their passion to just be here. Our desire to know you better, to serve you in ways that might be new and dynamic to us today, to walk with you in a way that's real but also relevant. 
Father, I, help, I pray that you would help us all just to understand what it is that you have for each of us this morning. Amen. So, actions. Our actions are significant, and they have eternal repercussions. Like, the things that we do actually matter. Every day, we're confronted with the ongoing struggles of how to make decisions. Small things, normal things, big, life-changing things. You're going to be put in places every day where you have to make choices. Some of them are mundane, and some of them are going to be life-changing. You're going to be confronted with things that you didn't expect. And then there's the aftermath. Many people lament over their decisions. Like, they'll do things. Was that right? Was that wrong? And we, we struggle with the things that we've done. For others, anxiety flows from the fear of having to make the next set of decisions. It almost becomes a ritual for us. It's the what ifs. Like, what if this happens? What will I do? Wouldn't it be amazing if we had some guidance? Wouldn't it be nice if we had some advice? Maybe even some instructions that would show us what God's expectations might be. So the term God's economy for me is living in a place where we're truly allowing the Lord to be the one that dictates everything that's around us. An economy that functions out of the resources of the Lord God Almighty. Not just me, but it's the place where my weaknesses actually become strength because I trust in him. God's economy is a place where you allow his provisions and not your own to be the thing that moves you. Decisions in this place actually become easier because you don't have to really fuss with, I don't know what to do. You start to adhere yourself to his expectations rather than trying to figure out whether you should define your expectations. God's economy is a place where anxiety starts to disappear because your goals in life are now aligned with his heavenly desires. You don't have to worry because your structure and your pace becomes his structure and his pace. And the world around you gets seen through his filter. You start to see things based upon not how you think it should be done, but how his will thinks it should be done. That's God's economy. Ordering life according to his design and not yours. God's economy is where we understand his instructions and we, we live squarely in the consequences of what his declarations are. So in this, part of these three verses, verses for me are broken apart pretty simply. They've got instructions, they've got do's, they've got don'ts. And I've been told many times, you can't make God's Bible into an equation. And I'm like, well, you kind of can in some areas because God says, you know, I'd rather you do these things and if you do these things, then it will equal these things. Now, if you don't do these things, it will also equal these. But beware, because if you do these things, then this is going to be the consequence. So for me, I'm not mathematical. I apologize. But math, that's kind of what it looks like, Mike. You've got an equation, an equation, which equals an answer. Sorry, mine students. I just really dumbed it down for you, didn't I? <laughs> And then there's consequences that flow from that. Actions, our decisions, all of them have consequences. They can be both good and they can be bad. 
So as I'm going through this, I want to be very clear. And we're about to step into next week the book of Galatians. I'm excited about that. And one of the big things in Galatians is it talks about you're free from the law. Like you don't need the law anymore because we're living under God's grace. And so what I'm talking about here is, no, this is not a means for us to access God or access God's grace. This is instructions for God's people, folks that are now children of God, living in his family. This is God now saying, okay, now that we're all on the same page, now that you've found salvation through grace, through this gift of Jesus, let me kind of clarify what it looks like to be part of my family. It's this progression of once you've been saved, now it looks like this. These are some things that I want you to know so that you can move freely. Like you don't have to act in a way where you're being, I wonder what God, should I do this or should I not? Like I wonder what God would think. In the midst of this, these will give us clear instructions. It'll identify clearly what the consequences are. Hopefully in this, it'll help us to exhaust our focus, our energy, and our passions to align ourselves with the holiness of God a more reverent expression of our heart's desire to truly be more Christ-like. So as we move into this, um, I'm going to go quickly. I mean, these aren't verses we're going to dig deep into, but what I want to do is unpack them just a little bit so you can see what I'm talking about here and why these have been so relevant to me. So the first one, Romans 12. Uh, just even walking in here today, Brandon's like, that's my life verse. Love that one. Because it's, it's got a lot of meat to it. It's got a lot in there that really tells us what it is that God's expectations are. So it starts off in verse 1 with the instruction. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship because of. It starts off, well, because of. The fact that you are now a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are partaking in his grace and his mercy. Because of these things, here's now the instruction to you. This is what I want you to now do. I want you to offer. I want you to give. I want this decision to be about you bringing honor and glory to God. Not with just a few things. Not with just Sunday mornings between 10 and 11, 15-ish. But all of who you are. Everything. Not just when people are watching. Not when you think it matters to make yourself look good, but all the time. Bring all of who you are is what God's asking. That's why we sing those songs like all of us, everything we have. Not just the bits and pieces, not just taking the things out that we think might be relevant so that we look good. He asks us to do this in a holy and pleasing way. It clarifies for you a way to look at the things that you're offering to God. This is the question you can ask yourself. Is everything that you're doing holy and pleasing? Well, I mean, no, right? And I'll be the first to say no. I have bad thoughts. I do bad things. I, I go places that I shouldn't go. I get frustrated when I shouldn't get frustrated. We all find ourselves in that place. But part of this giving and offering ourselves is assessing what it is that we're offering. We used to laugh all the time at church because people would bring leftovers things in their house that they no longer wanted. And they would clutter the basement. There was a time when our basement did not look awesome like it looks now. It was just filled with leftovers. And it got me thinking, like I think a lot of times we bring to God the leftovers, what we've got left when we're exhausted, when we're tired, when we've got nothing else because we've given to everything else. 
It's got to be the other way around. God gets first. God gets our offering, the holiest and most pleasing parts of us. This becomes your true act of worship. It's, now, it's not about how we worship here all the time either. It's about in the little things that we do. Next, additional instruction. And this is tough. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How relevant is this today? I mean, how relevant is it that we don't conform to the patterns of this world? How many patterns are out there that are contrary to what we find in Scripture? Like a lot. Stop. No longer be influenced. Do not be molded. Do not be impacted by the patterns of this world. Now, we all find ourselves probably looking at things other than the Bible, right? I mean, we've got Netflix, we've got Hulus, we got, I've got subscriptions to all those things too. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram. I don't know what's cool now, like what's the cool thing now? <laughs> Snapchat, I don't know. So we all got these things and we spent, what is it? TikTok. TikTok. Thanks, Nathan. Don't even have TikTok yet on my phone. Um, but we have things. We have work, we have school. In our culture right now, we have sports, we have music, we have lessons, we have things that we allow to be the thing that dictate our day. There's a couple Bronco shirts. I put a Bronco shirt on my daughter this morning, right? We allow sports and other things to be the influence in what we think and how we feel. We would tend to be more molded by the patterns of this world, right? I mean, we get on Facebook and how, how molded do you get by people's Impressions. So compare all of those things to how much time do you spend allowing your mind to be renewed by being present with the Lord, by thriving with Him in an interaction where your mind is focused on His stuff. So it'd be like this marriage. I'm married. My wife still likes me most days. And it's because I make a concerted effort on a day-to-day basis to honor and care for my wife. If I only spend an hour a week honoring and caring for my wife and expecting my marriage to look a certain way, that's not really a thriving marriage, is it? I've gotta spend time every day. I've gotta make sure if I, I want my marriage and my family to reflect my values, my decisions should probably be reflecting what those values are. And if they're not, then you're probably living in relationships that aren't thriving. And the same is true for how we interact with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've got to give him time. And for your mind to be renewed, you've got to make sure that you're in it and you're involved with that relationship on an ongoing basis. And here's the consequence. And it's transitioned by then. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you do these things, if you offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, then you'll be able to test and approve what his perfect will is. Only then. And yet most of us would like to test and approve what his will is without putting in any of the effort. We were talking this morning in our prayer time, so it's putting Don on the spot. She's getting masters, taking tests. It's terrifying. 
you, you guys going to school right now, mind, you're gonna be taking tests. I don't know, do you like taking tests? Because I don't at all. Because it's that moment where you're like, you're really gonna be in a position where you're going to prove whether or not you know what it is that you've been studying. And the same is true here. So if you offer your body, all of who you are, your heart, soul, strength, and mind to the Lord, only then will you be able to test and prove what it is that's God's stuff. Now, if I were to walk into a physics test today and try to take it, guess how many answers I would get right? I wouldn't get two right. I mean, thank you. Who said that? Thank you. It's Christian. My son had to explain to me what um, statics and dynamics were. I didn't even know what those classes were. So I was like, they have those. Okay, good. People need to know that stuff. I am not going to be a person that's going to be accomplishing those things. Now, if you were to give me maybe three years of time sitting down with people, I might get two questions right. So I would be able to test and approve that I'm still not a mathematician. I'm still not a physicist. But if I were to put my time and energy into it, I might start to grasp what it is that these courses are. The same is true with our walk with the Lord. The consequence is, if you offer yourself on a regular basis, then you will be able to test and approve. But I think so much of us want to be able to test and approve it without putting any time into it. So, my first verse. Give all of who you are to the Lord. This is what he desires on a daily basis. This is your act of worship. Stop. Stop looking to the world for answers because then you will know. Psalm 1.1 Blessed is the one who does not walk in the way or walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat or the company of mockers. Instructions. Right? Don't do these things. But on the flip side, there's also some do's in here. We want to turn it around also to understand what this means. Like, don't be in step means to walk with those who are righteous, those who are following the Lord. I make it an effort to surround myself with people who are going to hold me accountable. They're going to speak truth into my life. If they see me treating my wife or children in an inappropriate way, they're going to come up to me and say, Kev, and Donovan's one of them. So I make sure that I surround myself with people who are going to be honest with me. If I act inappropriately, I want to be the same person here, in my house, in my job, and everywhere that I go. So surround yourself. Walk with the people who are righteous. Be caught up in the ways with those people who are repentant, changing, pursuing holiness, standing in the stream of life. Be with people that honor, respect, and give their life to the Lord. Sit in the stream of life. So in these things, God's saying, don't do these things, but you can also start to understand what it means to do these things. Walk in this stream, stand in this stream, sit in this place of life so that you are who God wants you to be in the way that you make your decisions. There was a time in my life when I hung out with folks that were maybe a little more wicked. <laughs> and I made decisions that fell in line with those people, those conversations, and those things. It was easier for me to accept what they did, and I fell in line with it. And so the consequences started to resemble the consequences of what their lives looked like. 
Let's not be that. The next instruction, 2 and 3 in Psalm, says, But delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on his law day and night. So, blessed is the one, meaning there is great benefit in godly economy if you work your life and deal with it in this way where you delight in the things that God says to us. Like when he says, hey guys, don't do that. You're like, I can't believe God is so, he's so strict. He's so judgmental. No, he's just saying, don't do it. Like he knows the benefit for us and we rejoice in it because, hey, thanks for pointing that out. I, I didn't realize that at one point, but now I do. So I joke now, so you're at CCU. Um, now picture me there, you too. And there was a time when I was playing soccer there that I had people come up to me and had, had to tell me, hey, we don't, we don't use the F word here. I was like, good to know. Okay, because that, that was my transition. Like the Lord was getting a hold of my heart. I did not know these things. And for me, if I didn't have people that approached me and said, oh, it's funny, they're still laughing. <laughs> but in that, I didn't know. I had no con- concept of what it meant to meditate and to really access who God was in all that I did. And so fortunately, God started to bring people to me so that I could start to meditate, so that I could start to delight in these things. Where I was like, man, good to know. I didn't know. And I had a desire to become more Christ-like, so I wasn't offended by it. I became excited. Because now I know where some of the guardrails are. It's like going bowling with those bumper things on there. You're going to hit a pin. I felt like that's what life started to become like for me. God put these bumpers in. He's like, all right, we're going to hit pins every time now, Kev. So these are the delights that I have. I started to rejoice in the fact that he had given me clear and present guidance between what was good, healthy, and true and everything that was not. And the consequences looked like this, that I became a person, but was then now planted by a stream of water. I yielded fruit in season. My leaves stopped withering, and the things that I did started to prosper. So the key to this is the planting of who we are, is the metaphor for us picking our lives up from wherever it is in this world and the patterns of this world. And the river here in the stream is Jesus Christ, putting ourselves next to it. Now, bear in mind, this is a passage that came out of a very barren land. Water was incredibly important. You go plant a tree in the middle of sandy desert area, is it gonna survive? No, it's not, is it? It's gonna die, it's gonna wither. And so that's what we tend to do if we're planted out in the world. So this verse is saying, don't do these things. Do these things. And if you do, you will be picking yourself up and planting yourself right next to this river, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. All of what he is will start to become part of you. You will be fed. You will be able to yield fruit in season. Meaning every one of us being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have things that he wants of us. But oftentimes, we are in the world. We are planted in the wrong places. We're not being nourished the way that we should. We've moved away from the stream. And when God says, okay, Kev, it's time to step up. I can't. I just can't. I, 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 don't, I don't have the right framework. I've been hanging out with the wrong people. I've been doing the wrong. I just am not ready for this. And so I am not able to bear fruit in the season when God calls my name. Because I'm withering. I'm not where he wants me to be. 
And in that, I want to make sure that my consequences are prosperous ones. Not for my benefit. This is not prosperity gospel stuff. This is so that you can be about God's business. So that the things that you do actually matter, not to you, so that you get more stuff, but to God. To his glory and to his kingdom. But not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Happens in farming, right? There's a lot of leftover stuff. What do you do with it? It's worthless. So that's the bad consequence. If you choose to continue to make decisions and actions flow in line with the wicked and being a scoffer towards God and doing sinful things, then the result of your labor will be just this. It doesn't matter. God just blows it away. It's not helpful. It's not prosperous. Sounds harsh. But to be clear, I have and will continue to make wicked decisions. We all do. So these are things that I think are even spoken to to us as believers. A lot of times we would like to take a verse like this and go, oh yeah, those guys. Those people who are making bad choices. Yeah, they're, they're like chaff. That's worthless. But not us here in the church. No, I think it's actually speaking to us. I think it's actually challenging us to make sure that we're men and women and children who are making decisions that are honoring, that are in line with what God wants, that are in such a way where we're planted by the stream of running water so that the things we do actually have a heavenly meaning, a purpose beyond what we might just see it to be. Like this big thing, heaven, eternity, it's important stuff. So to summarize Psalm 1, the second verse. I love the simple instructions. For me, it just brings clarity. I do like it when people say, don't do that. Okay, makes sense. Like, I, I like driving down the road and it says 65. Good. I'm not going to go 85. It helps. I like coming to stop signs. I like to look and see, is it a two-way stop or an all-way stop? Good. Everyone should be stopping. The Bible is similar in nature. It's simple. It gives clarity. It helps us to understand what the consequences would be. I know that if I'm coming up to a red light and I just choose to run through it, I have the chance of being in a horrific accident. The same is true with Psalm 1. Last verse, Matthew 7, 24. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So this is a unique one. It's one that gets misunderstood by a lot of people. What is the rock in this analogy? Think about it. Is it Jesus? If you're in my youth group or ever been there, you better answer this one right. So we read this and we think we go through life, well, it's just good enough. Jesus, Jesus is the rock. And there are some examples of God being the rock. There are examples of him being that rock in our life. But that's not at all what this is talking about. Look at it closely. Blessed are those of you who put my words into action. You will build your house on the solid foundation. So Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. This is the very last things that he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. He has just basically told them everything that they need to know. Here are the instructions. Here are the guidelines. 
Here's how you deal with relationships. Here's how I expect you to deal with me. Here's how you deal with sin. Now you've heard it all. The rock is putting it into practice. And that's hard because we've actually got to do something about it. We've actually got to practice the things that we know. So if you've read through the Bible at all, we in this church, if you've been here for even the last, say, six months, you know more than most Christians knew back in the time of Jesus. We know enough. We've got enough information in us right now to be able to go off and be evangelist, to proclaim to this world and practice everything that he's asked of us. We've got it. The question is, are we practicing? So hunting season's coming up. And I'm not in shape. <laughs> I'm just not there. And I have this fear looming over me that once hunting, once hunting season comes, the second, third week of November, if we get something, I'm going to die because I've not worked out at all. So what I could do is just nothing, right? I could choose to like not start exercising even a little bit, maybe stretching. I could wing it. I could get up there. I could walk with these guys for 10 miles over mountains. How is that going to look? Probably not so good. You're just going to laugh at me. Or I can know what's before me. I can know the expectations that are to come. I can start practicing now so that I can prepare myself for what I know is on the horizon. The same is true in our journey with Jesus. He's telling us right now, you know what you need to know. Put it into practice. Start practicing these things every day. If you've heard it and you know it, you've read it, there's been a, a sermon on it, there's been worship about it, then you now know the key to it is putting it into practice. And here's the consequence. There's two, a good one and a bad one. So Matthew 7:25 says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. So the house in this analogy is you. But you didn't fall because you had your foundation on the rock, meaning you were practicing the things of God on a day-to-day -day basis. So the analogy with the rain and the streams and the wind are the things of life that will continue to come against you every day. They will beat against your house. They will beat against your being. This world will continue to try to tell you different things to distract you from truth. But if you practice what God's word is, you will not fall. You might lose a window or two. You, you might have some reconstruction to do around your house, but you're not going to fall with a big crash. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put it into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The same run, rains come, the same streams rise, and the same wind blows and beats against that person, and yet it falls with a great crash. Now in this, this is a story specifically meant for believers. It is meant for those that follow and those that clearly understand the word and the instruction of God. Meaning, these two houses exist next to each other, a brother and sister in Christ. We are now understanding the things that are, we've built our houses exactly the same. It's just that one is now anchored on a foundation that's going to crumble because this individual is not practicing. 
This one is. Which one are you? Are you practicing the things of God? When the storms of life come, which they will, when the sicknesses, the loss of jobs, the frustrations, the relational issues, the the problems that will confront all of us, blow and beat against us, are we practicing God's stuff every day or are we not? The result, if not, is a massive crash. It's destruction and it's devastation. So in this, my encouragement to you is to make sure you find ways to practice. I've not played soccer for years, um, but soccer to me was the the tool that I go back to when I think about practicing. You would laugh at me now. I was a goalie, and the thought of throwing my body on the ground right now is terrifying. I'm like, I'd have to like climb down on the ground to stop a goal, right? But back in the day, I would run drills over and over again, and some of them seemed completely silly. Like we had this one where we had to jump over three people, and then there were two people sitting off to the side, and we had to take our power step, and then the coach would throw the ball up in the corner, and we'd have to jump up in the corner and try to save it, and we would do that over and over and over, almost to the point that I was going to pass out, or I was going to throw up. And for me in the moment, I'm like, why? Why am I doing this? Well, and then the game came along. And I found myself in a very similar situation. Now, there weren't three people laying in front of me and a dude to jump over. But the practice was relevant, and I made the save. I was able, I made a lot of saves, but um, (laughs) there were a lot I didn't make. But for me, this verse becomes that analogy. Our lives should model this in such a way So when we look at these verses, when we look at the Romans and the Psalms and the Matthews of our lives, these are my life verses. They're the things that give me instructions. They're the areas that help my actions to be modeled after the values of who I say I want to be so that I can start to see the consequences that God has set out for me so that I can truly live in this place of God's economy. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these verses today. It's just a powerful reminder to me and my heart of who you are in my life. I thank you that you give me opportunities every day with the things like rain and wind and storms that blow and beat against my life so that I have an opportunity to choose you. I know that it's hard sometimes when these streams rise around us But Father, help us all to hear your words, to put them into practice, to make decisions that honor and glorify you so that we are living as these um, acts of worship every day in the way that we live. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take this message, open the eyes of our hearts here today, every individual, so that they would hear exactly what they need to hear from you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. If you're like me, you uh, uh, at times will struggle with some anxiety. And uh, uh, 
for me anyway, the opposite of anxiety is peace. Whenever I um, find myself getting anxious and I don't have peace, it's usually because I am turning to other things and or just not turning to Jesus. And uh, uh, these words today uh, just... I love the equation, Kevin. And uh, there's three things that we can be. It's just kind of a good check for our lives and what we're doing and what we're not doing. But really being in the Word and uh, offering ourselves holy and pleasing to the Lord. And then putting these words into practice. I think a lot of times we kind of wait around and ask for the Lord to move and uh, when He's asking us to move, you know. And then where are we spending our time? How do we balance that? So some of us are are experiencing that anxiety, whether it's um, just with some decisions that you have to make or uh, tough decisions, some health things, just life things. So we're going to, Malia is going to sing this song. It's a new one to Hillside, but but, uh, feel free to uh, sing along or or just listen and let the the Holy Spirit just uh, speak to you in this time. Shelter of your mighty wings, you promise. 
the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior.
of you may not know, we do have a prayer team um, that has a heart for just uh, being there in relationship with you. And if you feel like there is anxiety, um, there's all that stuff that's stirring in your life, uh, and you want to just partner with someone and, and just share that, or just have somebody come over you to pray, we have um, a prayer team, and people will be back uh, in our where the barn doors are. I guess I call it the barn. But and also that there's. Um, Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night at 6.30, we have a prayer night, and that's just a time to come and bring your everything you want to God, or if you have a heart for prayer, and you just want to come and join us, we'll be there and available, uh, and uh, it starts at 6.30, we'll be downstairs, but I just, as, as Pastor Kevin was speaking, I thought about the way we receive peace, one of the foundational ways as Christians is to bring this to God. And the way we do that is through prayer, alone and with one another. And uh, God brought up Philippians 4, 6 for me. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life and then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. We can't do this without prayer. We cannot face the challenges and the anxiety of our lives without prayer and without one another to just build that foundation. So I just encourage you that this is a safe place to come with people that uh, just want to be there and, um, and maybe you have words for others too. So Wednesday night at 6.30, we'd love to see you and uh, and any time after church, we'll have, we'll have people available. Why don't we stand and uh, sing this chorus again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on Go to Jesus and stay there. Have a great week.